0: So we're following in this series of discipleship. There's a little bit in the leaflet today about the series, and we're almost at the end. We started a couple of months ago. We've talked about following Jesus. Who is this Jesus that we follow? Being more like Jesus. And we've talked about community, one another in one another. And we've talked about gifts last week. Uh, But today, it's a little bit different, but very much still in the idea of, with the following the idea of discipleship. We're talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And uh, I think it's a phrase that often, uh, you know, we like, to, we like to think about occasionally, uh, but uh, often we're not quite sure what it is. Uh, what is this kingdom of God? Uh, well, first of all, it's a phrase that Jesus used a lot, an awful lot. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said. The kingdom of God is at hand, he would say. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he would say. And um, just to clarify, Matthew uses the phrase, kingdom of heaven, Mark and Luke say kingdom of God. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Matthew was writing to Jewish readers who didn't like to band the word God around needlessly. It was very precious to them. So in respect to them, Matthew uses kingdom of heaven, but it's the same thing. But what is this uh, kingdom of God? And so today, in particular, using those parables that Jean just read to us, we'll we'll ask the question, what is it like? What's it like, the kingdom of God? And then the second question, when is it coming? Is there a specific date and time? Will I know? Did I already miss it? When when is this kingdom of God? And somewhere in the middle of that, we'll answer the other question, which is, what is it? Exactly what is it? And we'll be looking at these parables uh, just read to us, so treasures and pearls, seeds and yeast. Weeds and nets, treasures and pearls, seeds and yeast, weeds and nets. I won't read them again, because uh, we just had them read. But we'll talk about, uh, we'll go through them in a minute. But I want to talk about what, what parables are for. Because in this passage as well, um, Jesus spoke in parables, and the disciples say, why don't, why don't you just tell it how it is? Why do you use parables all the time? Um, and it says in the passage, Jesus didn't say anything without using parables. And so parables, a parable is a, is a proverb or a wise saying, um, which is completely understandable to those who want to understand. Jesus said, let those who have ears to hear, listen. It's a, po- it's a puzzle or a wise saying, which is completely fathomable if we wish to understand it. But the thing about parables is People in those days, they lived in that world of parables, didn't they? You know, <clears throat> I've, I've never met a pearl merchant. I've never been fishing with a huge net. You know, I don't think I've seen a mustard tree or a mustard shrub. So it's harder for us to get this sometimes. Think, what, what is? They, so it's easier for them. They lived in this world. They lived in a world of extended families, of farming and fishing. They lived in a world of Roman occupation, so when Jesus said, think about the pearl merchant, they might think, oh yeah, the guy down the bazaar. I, I see him on Fridays. Or um, think about uh, the, mustard, the mustard seed. People could just look around and see these things growing. We have to work a little harder. So what we'll do is we'll use some of our imagination today to enter these parables. Okay? We'll use our imagination. That's the first thing. The second thing to help us understand these parables just bear with me on this, it'll all make sense in a minute, honestly, is when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, right? he doesn't actually mean the kingdom of God is like a pearl or it's like a mustard seed. He doesn't mean it's like that. What he means is the situation of finding a pearl, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Or what happens to the mustard seed, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And any decent commentary on Matthew, I've got three and they all say the same thing, is the way to approach the, this is rather than saying the kingdom of God is like, is to think to yourself, this is what it's like with the kingdom of God and then enter the parable and read it. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. Now you might be looking at me a bit confused, one or two of you. Don't worry. Let's do this, okay? Let's try this, applying both of those ideas or imagination and this, this phrase. So, walk with me, if you will, and we'll go through these parables again. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. There's a man. He goes out walking. He's walked this way many times before, but this morning, as he walks, he sees something where the the heavy rain has washed away the mud. It seems to be shining, and he goes over and says, what's that glimmering thing in the soil? And he uncovers it, and it's gold. It's shining, and it actually is gold. And the more he scrapes away, the more gold he discovers. This is amazing, he says. He's in a panic. What shall I do? So he covers it all up and goes home. But he can't stop thinking about it. There's treasure trove in that field just over there. What shall I do about it? What shall I do? He can't stop thinking about it. And then he has this idea, some completely mad idea, but it's also a wonderful idea. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll sell everything I have. I'll sell my car. I'll sell my house. I'll sell everything I have, and I'll go and buy that field. And then the treasure will be mine. Legally, it will belong to me. And this uh, accidental discovery of something amazing, the indescribable joy of stumbling across something new, the accidentally finding something that's worth more than all we had, this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. There's a mother. She likes baking bread. She's always baked bread, ever since she can remember When she was a child, she'd sit in front of the bread oven on uh, on their stove or their fireplace and just watch this amazing trick of nature as this lifeless dough suddenly springs to life and expands. And now, 40 years later, she's still baking bread and her daughter sits in front of the fire watching this bread grow and expand. And this, this tiny yeast that can cause so much change the tiny amount of yeast that can change everything around it, that empowers it. The idea of yeast disrupting, transforming everything around it. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. Do you get this? This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. There's a seed. Brought some today. Some mustard seeds. Very small. In fact, if you open it the right way, you can get one out. And in fact, if I was to... You can hardly see it. And if I was to do that, you'll never find it. Right? It's lost somewhere on the floor. It's tiny. And yet, and yet, if you take that seed, which appears to be dead and lifeless, and put it in the right environment, something amazing happens. You give it some soil, some light and some water, and what appeared to be dead comes to life. Not only does it come to life, it starts to grow, it becomes what we call a seedling. And it carries on growing, mightily, unstoppably. And not only does it grow and become life itself, it gives life to other creatures around it. So this idea of something dead coming to life, growing mightily, unstoppably, this idea of something that seemed to be dead, enabling life to everything around it, surprisingly, amazingly, unstoppably, this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. Do you get this? Good. You see, um, if we mm, enter into these parables rather than looking at them from the outside and moving on, we start to feel them with the impact that they were meant to have in the first place. Let's do one more. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. There's a guy who works in the city. He's very successful. He knows what he's doing. He runs businesses. In fact, he works in the jewellery business. He's a specialist trader in Pearls. He buys and sells. He buys when the price is low. He sells when the price is high. He buys and sells companies as well that do this. He picks companies that are small and messed up, builds them up until they're big and working well and sells them at a huge (coughs) profit. He understands the stock market. He understands the currency fluctuations. You can't tell him anything about business. He knows it all. He's got it all. He always holidays somewhere wonderful, has a beautiful family, fantastic car outside, an amazing house. Seems to have everything. And yet, and yet, there's something missing in his life. It's always been missing. It's the thing that drives him from one deal to the next, to the next, to the next. And he keeps thinking, if I can only do this next deal, that's the thing that will satisfy me. If I can only sell this next company, then I'll retire because I'll be satisfied. Except he's never satisfied. He's never satisfied because it's like, it's like there's a God-shaped hole in the middle of everything he does. And then one day, one day, he finds it. Somebody tells him about it. And he discovers this thing that we call kingdom. And suddenly, his life has meaning and purpose. Suddenly, it has direction. And this ability to give our lives purpose, to give our lives meaning, to give our lives direction, to give our lives meaning when, when they never had any, That's what it's like with the kingdom of God. So this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. So when Jesus uses these parables, we've only been through four, and we enter into them, we can start to understand, can't we, what Jesus was actually saying. It's really like the situation of finding treasure or the situation of discovering this pearl of great price. Jesus said, you need to listen. You You really need to get this. You really need to understand this. Or we fall into this trap where we just gloss over the words. Or as Jesus says in this same chapter, if we're not careful, we we can be ever hearing, but never really understanding. Ever seeing, but never really perceiving. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. So, having um, been through those parables imaginatively, let's go through them again analytically. Which is kind of what we're more used to, and just uh, lift the lid on them a little bit more and see what else do those parables tell us about the kingdom of God, about the nature of this kingdom of God. So, treasures and pearls, first of all. Both of these parables are about the joy of discovering something amazing, which we didn't know was there. It's like the homeless guy, it's not a sacrifice. He's getting something that's worth far more than anything he could ever have. They are both about discovery. But there is a difference between these two parables. Can anyone guess what it is? Discovering treasure in the fields and finding a pearl. It's a little bit subtle. The difference is, treasure is about pure accidental discovery. Sometimes in life, we're, we're not actually looking, but the kingdom finds us. That's what happened to me as a student. I I wasn't looking for religion, particularly. I wasn't searching for it. I thought I had everything. Had it made, knew what I was doing. But the the kingdom found me. And, And I was amazed. I didn't know there was anything like that. But the pearl is not about accidental discovery. It's about people relentlessly, endlessly searching. And some people are endlessly searching in life to find meaning. Endlessly looking for one thing after another after another going to one type of class after another, one type of religion after another. So that's the difference between the two parables, both about the joy of discovery, but one is about relentlessly, endlessly searching. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God. Seeds and yeast. Again, there are similarities and differences between these two parables. Little, both parables are about the idea that little is great when God is at work. Tiny things can have enormous consequences when God is at work. Both of them result in huge growth. Kingdom work produces disproportionate consequences. A single, you might be the only Christian in your street, you might be the only Christian in your workplace. Well, guess what? God loves to use the smallest, weakest thing. Paul tells us God deliberately chose the weak, in order to shame the strong. God deliberately chose the foolish in order to shame the wise. God's kingdom has disproportionate consequences when we hand it over to him. Both of them are about little is great, but there's a difference as well between these two, okay? The seed represents growth, doesn't it? It's kind of... um, but, but, but methodical growth every year it grows a bit more doesn't it a plant, uh, you water it you feed it and it grows in a, in, a, in a predictable way and if we surround ourselves as we should with prayer, with reading the word, with fellowship with going out and trying to do the word, we too will grow like that seed, it's predictable growth, it happens but yeast is different, right yeast doesn't grow Yeast doesn't make the bread big by growing. Somehow, yeast calls forth growth. Somehow, it catalyzes, it it disrupts, it disrupts, it transforms. Seed infiltrates, it permeates, it subverts. And sometimes the kingdom of God does this. Whole whole structures, world systems, can be changed by a few Christians. I remember the... um, stopped the traffic movement some years ago, has made huge strides forward in, in the area of trafficking children. Still a long way to go, but a few Christians have had massively disproportionate effects because God was working there. It wasn't growth, it was transformation. That's different. So yeast is about transformation. Um, it's about disruption. It can be about subversion. It's about change on a big scale, disproportionate scale. So the two parables, one is about extensive growth, that's the seed, but one is about intensive transformation. And both are aspects of the kingdom because this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. And then the two parables, the other two parables, the weeds and the nets are different. These are different from the other four, okay? And we'll talk about that in a minute. Darnel, which was a weed, looks like, very similar to wheat. and It grows and it looks the same until the ears form, but it's poisonous. And by then, the roots have, ta- have, have intertwined, have tangled into each other. It's very hard to separate. So much so that it was uh, an act of revenge that was well known in Jesus' day that was specifically forbidden under Roman law. So again, people got this straight away. Oh, right, yeah, we know about that. That's what happened in that field where somebody sowed darnel among the wheat. That was something that happened. The roots become entangled. And the point uh, of this parable and the nets is that actually evil will remain around (coughs) us. Even as people are discovering treasure, even as people are discovering the pearl of great price, even as... They are, the kingdom is growing and transforming as seeds and yeast, even as all that's happening, there will still be evil around us. And we know that. We see that. That is, that is the world we live in. Sometimes we won't know the difference, says this parable, for a long time. In the parable of the, weed, of, the um, of the weeds and the wheat, they don't know the difference until the end of time when they are separated. But both... Parables speak about division. There will be a division in God's kingdom at some point. And both speak of the need for urgency, for immediacy, and for patience sometimes. Okay, so um, we've talked somewhat about what the kingdom of God is like. It's like going out and finding treasure. It's like what happens when we plant the mustard seed. But we haven't actually said what it is, have we? What is it? Could we define it? Can we just nail it down in a line that's easy to remember? Well, it's hard to define something which stands outside of space and time to some extent. But I think this works. The kingdom of God is any place or any person (coughs) under God's authority. Any place or any person where Jesus reigns. So the kingdom of God is any place or any person under God's authority, any place or any person where Jesus reigns. So, does Jesus reign in your heart? And the kingdom of God has come to you. Does Jesus reign in your home? And the kingdom of God has come to your home now. It's there now. And heaven, therefore, what we call heaven, is where everything is under God's authority. Everything is kingdom. There's a, there's a simple way of looking at it, of the kingdom of God. So we've spoken, or I've spoken about what the kingdom of God is like, uh, what it is to some extent, but as disciples, I want to do this last question, which I think could be the most important, which is when, when do these things happen and um, when is this kingdom of God thing? So let's talk about that, lastly. And... Um, Let me just step back for a minute to the beginning of of Acts. At the beginning of Acts, uh, particularly Acts 1 and 2, we read the early apostles who met after Jesus had uh, died and been resurrected and, and ascended back to heaven. They met, and they made a surprising discovery. They made a discovery that shook them, a profound discovery that they didn't know before. And this discovery was, Jesus isn't coming back today, probably. He's probably not coming back tomorrow. He's probably, he might not come back next week. This was a discovery for them. Because until then, they'd assumed he would be, his coming back would be immediate. So the discovery that they made was Jesus didn't come the first time to bring the end. He came to bring the beginning of the end. Okay, we're getting, we're getting to Churchill now, couldn't we? But he didn't come to bring the end but the beginning of the end. Let's try and just open that up and see what that means. You see, here are the two, two uh, hugely significant historical events. One of them has happened. One of them we, we await, we're waiting to happen. We're still waiting for. The first historical event is that Jesus came to this earth. He lived and died on a cross, was resurrected and ascended back to heaven. That's the first historical event. The second event is his second coming. We know it will happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And we live, literally, in between the ages, in between the times. It's a unique time in history, in between Jesus' first coming and second coming. Most people didn't get to to look back and see Jesus' life. We can do that and look forward to when he will come again. But this means there's a kind of, there's some aspect of God's kingdom that's already happening, already happened, there some aspects that have not happened yet. So sometimes we use this phrase, the kingdom of God is now, yes, but it's also not yet. The kingdom of God is now, right? There's treasures and pearls and seeds and yeast now, but it's also not yet. There's weeds and nets that are still to happen. Uh, and we see that in those parables. Four of the parables are about things that are already happening today. You can go out and find treasure. It's the kingdom of God. You can relentlessly search for something and eventually discover the pearl of great price. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will transform and disrupt world world systems like yeast. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will grow like a plant. It's the kingdom of God. That happens now. But two of those parables, the separation of the weeds from the wheat and the good and the bad fish, that is yet to come. So the kingdom of God is now, but it's also not yet... And now, what we actually see, when we see God's Holy Spirit working, when we see um, the kingdom of God disrupting, transforming, that's w- w- what we're seeing is God's future breaking into our present day. God's complete kingdom, we're seeing glimpses of that in our present day when we see these things happen. When we see someone come to Christ, when we see someone healed, when we see God answering prayer, we're seeing aspects of God's future breaking into our present but there is still the not yet. There is still some of this is still to come. We know how the story ends. It's written in this book, in the Bible, in the last book of the Bible particularly. We know how the story ends, but it ain't happened yet. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. It's not from Revelation. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Don't go looking for that one. Some aspects have still to come. Some aspects have still to happen. Some aspects have happened. So we live in this unique time between the ages, or the overlap of the ages, the now and the not yet. And this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. This is one aspect of the kingdom that we have to get our heads around. We are living in between the times. It's an exciting time. It's a unique time in history. And we are privileged to be living in it. So, what what does that mean? Some aspects of living between the times... Yes, we can experience God's kingdom now, but some of it is not yet. Blessings and battles are a feature of our age. So we can see the now and the not yet, both together. For example, we can be filled with God's Holy Spirit, but we still see evil active in the world. The kingdom of, kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. We, can, we have victory over death. We know we have nothing to fear over death, and yet, most likely in this world, we will die the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God and we have I know I have full forgiveness I know that but I know I will still do things wrong next week it's the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God and when we pray as we sometimes do in the Lord's prayer your kingdom come that line has a wonderful double meaning When we pray your kingdom come, what we're praying for is, Lord, bring about the end times. Bring about what we call the consummation to give it its proper title. When the angels will come and separate. When justices will be rectified. When the last in this world will be made first. We want to see that happen. When all these awful things we read and see about, see around us will end. Bring that, Lord. Bring that on. Bring Bring that now. We pray for that. But we also mean, when we pray your kingdom come, Lord, Today, when I meet this person in the office and when I have this difficult conversation, I pray for your kingdom to come in that, in that situation. I pray for your kingdom to come in my family life, in that relationship that I'm struggling with, in this situation. Lord, bring, give me aspects of your kingdom that I can talk about today. Give me, the, give me treasures and pearls that I can use today. The now and the not yet. So, <clears throat> often, as Christians, we often, when we think of the kingdom of God, I think, we often think into the future. We often talk about the not yet part and we don't probably talk enough about the now part. Often, uh, we reduce evangelism down to Jesus the ticket. You say, have you got your ticket? Have you got your ticket to heaven? Have you said your four-line prayer? Have you got your ticket to heaven? Make sure you've got your ticket to heaven. But we so- talk so much about Jesus the ticket, we sometimes forget about Jesus the treasure, here and now. Not just about waiting for something great to happen. Jesus, the treasure is here and now. And we should be talking about that. We should be signs of that treasure. We should be bringers of that treasure. The now part is what being a disciple means. If, if people see us, and they can catch sight of the kingdom, just something that's, that, that's welcoming, something that's hospitable, something that, uh, that someone who's listening Signs of the kingdom. We can give those signs of the kingdom now. People can glimpse that treasure today. One of the things we've been talking about as part of our vision at this church, uh, we've had a little group looking at communities who come into this building, and we would love it for those people, when they come in, just to catch sight of something different, to get a glimpse and say, those have no idea what they do on a Sunday, don't understand them but they're nice people, they're generous, they're caring, they listened to me. They did this thing and asked me if I wanted prayer. We want to give signs of the kingdom to people around us. We should be doing that now. It's not just about a ticket. It's what we're told to get on with is the treasure now. And I love uh, some of these agencies like Fund or Christian Aid, who are very focused on bringing light into the darkest places in our world. Bringing treasure where there's just blackness. One of them is Christian Aid, as as their motto, we believe in life before death. Life after death, yeah, we know about that. We, we all know about that. We've agreed on that. That's great. But actually, that's not that helpful to the guy who needs feeding today. There needs to be kingdom work today. And we can do it today. So let me wrap up and finish. The kingdom parables tell us about the kingdom of God. This is what it's like with the kingdom of God, the par- Jesus tells us. He tells us there's joy in discovering, there's joy in discovering something new, something worth more than everything you've got put together. That's joyful. Don't think twice about training it in. It's not a sacrifice. And little is great when God is at work, whether it's a seed that grows continuously or yeast that causes massive growth over a short period of time. Little is great when God is at work. And we are to be the kingdom news, signs of the kingdom to those around us. We are to be bringers of this kingdom. We are to be the people who give the, give the signs that there is treasure, there are pearls to be discovered, there is treasure to be found. There is, we can be the yeast that disrupts the, the, the world systems and world orders around us. Because this is what it's like with the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think of uh, of your kingdom, Lord, and, and we think uh, our minds go forward to the future, to the glory and the splendor and the majesty, Lord, we love all that, Lord, and we look forward to that, Lord. But, Lord, we want to be signs of your kingdom here today. We want to be people, Lord, that when people see us, they glimpse that kingdom, Lord. They glimpse that treasure. They see something that's different, something that's meaningful, something that gives purpose to life, something that brings joy, something, somebody who's listening, who's caring, who's welcoming. Lord, as we go into this week, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would disciple us, that you would make us disciples, Lord, who are knowledgeable in your ways, Lord, who are bringers of this kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.